Welcome to the Catching Health Podcast. I'm Diane Atwood, your own personal health reporter. Today's conversation is about how men can stay healthy as they age. So turn back the clock about 100 years and you will discover that only one in 25 men in the United States lived to celebrate his 65th birthday. Today it's a different story. And when a man hits 65, there's a good chance he'll have at least another 20 years of celebrating birthdays. The thing is, women, on average, are still outliving men. A century ago, there was a one-year gap, but today it's a five-year gap. Why is that, and what can men do to close the gap? We'll get some answers from today's guest, Dr. Leonard Kay. He's a professor of social work at the University of Maine and director of the University of Maine Center on Aging. He also co-authored the book, A Man's Guide to Healthy Aging, with Dr. Edward Thompson, Associate Professor of Sociology and Anthropology at Holy Cross College. So, thank you. I finally get to you. (laughs) I'm delighted to be with you today. Well, there's so much we could talk about on the subject of healthy aging, especially since we both live in Maine, the baby boomer capital of the United States, maybe the world, I don't know. But today, it's all about men. So why do you think there's this widened lifespan gap between men and women? Well, I'll be blunt. I think women are the superior species. Okay, I'll go along with that. (laughs) I figured you would. Uh, Men uh, are hard-headed, they're stubborn, uh, they're risk-takers, and they pay a price for all of that uh, in terms of their longevity. Uh, Women also have the Uh, have traditionally, and you no doubt know this, have been able to, what we say, call ventilate. They've they've expressed themselves. Uh, They've uh, released their emotions. Uh, They're not afraid to share all of that with with confidants, with friends, uh, with family members. And and conversely, men have a great deal of, of trouble letting that out. And I think as that stews in uh, men as they age, it does harm to them both physically and and, uh, emotionally. Have you learned a better way yourself from doing this research? Remember, I'm one of the inferior species, so uh, it means (laughs) I I know what I need to do, but I don't practice good behavior uh, probably often enough. You know, I Uh, I can't tell you how many times I did a news story that was related to men's health to have their wives get in touch with me to say thank you for that information. I'm going to insist that my husband does this or that, and uh, sometimes it happened. Yeah, uh, women are uh, the survivors, and they remain so. As you said, they're living five years longer, and and they're doing it not only because they they, they emote, uh, but they also look after themselves better. They seek help more readily. Uh, They visit their primary care provider uh, on a more regular basis. Uh, they do uh, prevent preventive health uh, testing. Uh, they uh, get to the doctor earlier on when they don't feel well and, and before uh, illnesses and, and diseases have had the chance to advance. Hmm. Well, your book is jam-packed with healthy, easy-to-understand advice for men. I wonder, why did you decide to write it? For all the reasons that, uh, for, for what I just described, uh, uh, men... Uh, need to take care of themselves better. Uh, And now is a perfect opportunity to do that. Baby boomers are living longer uh, than ever before. We're on the cusp of an 
an extraordinary explosion already occurring in the number of older adults uh, and uh, 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 boomers, those born between 1946 and 1964, you know, are can expect to live active, more engaged uh, lives than than ever before. And I just uh, I want to enjoy those years for as long as I possibly can. I want to stay active and I want all men to do the same. Well, I'm with you on that one because I'm there. <laughs> so we can't tackle your entire book in this podcast. Um, so I'm going to narrow things down a bit. And why don't we begin with the importance of being active? Why is it so important that we be active all our lives? All our lives, for sure. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, it may require a bit more time and effort and energy as one grows older. But it's no less important. It's no less important. And by remaining active, uh, we we need the, the listener to know that we're talking not only physically, but mentally. Uh, so folks need to exercise on a regular basis. They don't have to do it in such severe fashion that they're injuring themselves, themselves. but they, they do need to be willing to do it uh, two, three, even four times a week uh, for a half an hour to an hour's time. Uh, walking is fine. It need not be highly strenuous. I, uh, a half an hour ago, was playing racquetball with my buddies. Good. Uh, and uh, I aim to do that until I'm unable to get on that court and and uh, and uh, make a pretty good showing of myself. But in combination with physical activity, we want to remain mentally active. We want to. We want to. Uh, continue to learn. We want to continue to engage in, in uh, education, however we choose to define that. Well, so say you're a man who is not overweight, but you are also not very active. Can inactivity still take its toll if you think you're in pretty good shape? It really can. Uh, it certainly can. Uh, you know, the full range of diseases and, and health problems are there when we talk about folks that are that are even uh, 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 somewhat overweight. I will, however, have a qualifier here, and that is I wouldn't get overly involved with the uh, uh, with uh, body mass indexes, uh, and and because we all have different bone structures and body types, and I'd worry a little less about about your score your index number on the BMI and worrying more about just remaining active. Uh, and, 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 uh, even if it, if you're carrying a few extra pounds, according to that, uh, body mass index, uh, 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 display that you see in your doctor's office when you go in, uh, as long as you're active, I think you're doing what needs to be done. You know, it's interesting. Um, I recently interviewed a psychiatrist who runs an eating disorders program here in Maine, and she said the same thing about BMI. She said it, it's just not a useful number, um, that everybody's can be different depending on a lot of things, their bone structure, and as well as their sex or their gender, of course. But yeah, I think more and more folks are, are believing in that uh, uh, and, 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 and uh, agree. You, you mentioned eating, and, and uh, eating well 
also needs to be understood uh, in terms of being variously defined. We're not just talking about avoiding overeating. We also want to uh, emphasize the importance of not eating too fast and eating consciously. Uh, not only eating the wrong, not eating the wrong things, but being thoughtful about what you're eating. And in that respect, I'd, I'd highly discourage folks doing what I do all too often, and that is grabbing a plate of food, heading to the couch, and and watching uh, your favorite show. Uh, you lose consciousness of of the act of eating, and I think. Uh, I think you'll discover that you eat far more if you're not thoughtful about it. Hmm. And if you're doing it while uh, your mind is, is taken away somewhere by a, by a, a sitcom that you're watching on the, uh, on the television. So you're guilty, huh? I'm guilty now and then. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a man. I'm imperfect. <laughs> All right. So I want to talk more about food. But before we do, you offer a little test of sorts in your book to help men identify their current level activity at any age. The first one you said is uh, you're sedentary if you spend most of the day sitting in front of the computer. If you use a riding lawnmower, can't you use a riding lawnmower a little bit? Of Uh, course you can, but uh, uh, you need to then compensate by doing something else that requires you to uh, to actually move around and, and use your leg muscles and, and, and torso muscles and, and arm capacity. Okay, then light activity. So that's somebody who might, you know, do a little painting around the house, paint the trim, maybe has a garden, takes the dog out for a walk. That's light activity, which is better than nothing, but it's still not the optimum. No, we're not there yet. You're, you're, you're moving in the right direction. <laughs> okay, moderate. Maybe that's where most men and women are. So that's when you do the brisk walk. And uh, if you golf, you walk the course. You don't take the cart. And then heavy, those are the men who run, bike. I mean, they're just always doing something. Yeah, and I, I, I for one, don't value less the extent to which you are you you position yourself in the in the heavy activity category i think the moderate activity category for for several reasons might be the desirable place to be you're far less likely to be injured mm-hmm. uh, you're far more likely to establish a routine and a habit that you can maintain over the long term and so maintaining moderate activity compared to uh, short-term involvement in, in heavy activity is preferred. Okay, so moderate. Well, I, I think that's a positive thing, you know, then you don't have to push yourself too much. Exactly right. Uh, I, the point is that all of this should be enjoyable to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely. Like yesterday, for instance, um, my husband mowed the lawn and he did it with a, the riding mower until I broke it. And then he did a little pushing. We did some gardening, and we felt good about it. And then I confess, after supper, we went out for an ice cream cone. So that's it. That's, that's it. okay. <laughs> that's okay. No, no feelings of guilt uh, necessary. Uh, because nothing in this book suggests that you should be without those those pleasurable moments that uh, really make it all worthwhile. All right. Do, do you think when you were doing your research, did you find that there were any particular 
ages when men tended to become less active than at other times in their lives? I, I, I'm, I think that uh, we all, as we grow older, discover that there are particular points in time when we are at risk of uh, developing bad habits and, and not making a, a, a healthy and effective transition from one stage of life to the next. And one stands out for men, and that is the point of what we've called retirement. It's a less and less useful term. But when men leave the workforce, uh, the workplace, they are at risk of not transitioning well. Uh, believe it or not, just simply going to work to and from uh, you know, uh, move, moving about the office at a at what can be a, a healthy pace uh, encourages one to be active to some degree. And once one leaves the workforce, there's that risk of not not uh, uh, assuming alternative roles and 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 uh, ha good habits that encourage you and ensure that you remain involved and active in the world around yourself. And even if you've never been active, if you start like at age 70, you can still benefit from that? You sure can. Just as if you stop smoking, you can benefit. Uh, uh, no matter how long you've been smoking, we know that uh, 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 breaking that nasty habit uh, after uh, some extended period of time can almost reverse the, the negative effects. And the same is true for exercise. You know, I think I wonder if another age group for men and women is when they become parents and they may be active running around after the kids um, in, in addition to their jobs. But I, w I wonder if that's a time when they maybe there's a slump in terms of taking care of themselves because their attention is otherwise. But another good age to at least attempt moderate exercise. Oh, definitely. Uh, and I think you're talking about those points in time when both women and men are likely to be caregivers. Right. Uh, and we know that caregiving is, is a demanding responsibility. It's demanding physically and emotionally. It's also demanding financially, uh, but that's a whole nother story. But the fact is folks who are raising a child or caring for a loved one who becomes incapacitated is at risk of not taking care of themselves. They really lose sight of the need to maintain their own health and well-being. That's what we know from lots of research that if you don't take care of yourself first, it's like putting the, the, the mask on yourself before your kids when you're in the airplane. They teach us in the, the safety check ahead of time. Well, but, that's what, you're exactly right. And the research confirms that caregivers... I am particularly on top of the research and keep abreast of what we know about elder caregivers, spouses who take care of their ailing uh, uh, wife or husband and uh, other relatives and friends who take care of, of, of aging uh, uh, friends and, and uh, loved ones. And I know that they are particularly at risk of, 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 of they're at heightened risk of depression. They're at heightened risk of uh, uh, anxiety and other mental health issues. And they're at, at heightened risk of, of physical ailments. So they themselves are vulnerable mm. while taking care of other vulnerable individuals simultaneously. All right. Well, so at any age, we've got to be active. Moderate is good. 
be a re- be realistic, but do something. Okay, now food. Eat well. I've been reading Michael Pollan's book, Food Rules. So this is what his research says. Eat food, not too much, mostly plants. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, in a, in a, no pun intended, nutshell. So are there some specific things that you discovered in your research? Uh, you mentioned a couple on how men can eat well. Yeah, well, I mentioned early on, and I'm going to repeat it. Uh, watch out for overeating, watch out for eating too fast and eating the wrong things and eat mindfully. Again, uh, uh, make, make, make a, the, a meal an occasion to, uh, to uh, not be a time when you lose yourself uh, in, in uh, some other activity, uh, but, but be thoughtful about what you're eating. And then do everything we know we need to do. A healthy diet includes fruit. It includes vegetables and whole grains and, and low-fat dairy products, uh, cholesterol and, and uh, salt intake needs to be limited, uh, and drinking water throughout the day. A lot of us, and I'm guilty as charged, a lot of us do not have our seven to eight-ounce uh, eight glasses of water uh, during the average day. And, and that's crucial. All right. I also found some commandments in your book. Four, oh, yeah? I found four of them. Enjoy all foods. Just be sensible. Don't, Eat in moderation. Okay. Don't think of eating well as a means to looking fit. Think of it as it's keeping you energized. It's helping you build and maintain muscle mass, and it's fighting off illness. Uh, yes. Don't give food more meaning than it deserves to have. Uh, for some, uh, food is, uh, is a crutch. Uh, it's, it's necessary for one's happiness and sense of well-being. Uh, and the fact is, uh, in reality, we need food to maintain, our, our, to maintain energy and keep us functioning. And that's it. Well, it says eat well also means to eat. So some people don't eat. You know, they have the opposite problem. They're not overweight, they're underweight. So that can be an issue for men as well as women. It could be for men, but less likely, right. less likely. Remember, men are, are foolish individuals and and, if we, and where we err is on the side of, of gluttony. I was, was going to use the word excess. Okay. So, <laughs> and which brings us to this fourth commandment, eat smaller portions, especially as you get older. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and, and once you get in the habit of doing that, your body actually adjusts uh, and will cooperate with you. Your stomach will contract. Uh, you'll feel full sooner. Uh, and you, uh, it, it won't be a difficult uh, practice to maintain. I, I read a statistic. I'm not sure if it was in your book or not, that 75% of men over 50 are overweight that's a lot of men. Now, I know there are a lot of women who are overweight too, but we're only talking about men. And uh, you gave us a couple of potential reasons why. I'm going to go over some of them. They eat too much. They eat too fast. They eat the wrong foods. They munch without thinking about it. That's the thing that you're bad at, right? Because you munch in front of the TV set. And right. they... This is not a story and a show about <laughs> me. It's about men in general. And they eat convenient foods. Yeah. I hit them. Yeah. 
it's all true. It, you know, it's all true. Uh, so there, there are a lot of warnings and, and uh, to be aware of, to be conscious of. Uh, and, and men haven't cornered the market on all of this. No. But the fact is older adults are obese in, in much larger, greater numbers than, than they should be. And it, it's actually an, uh, an understudied and under-discussed issue. We talk about obesity in young people uh, far more frequently and often than we do in older adults. Hmm. Well, let, let's shift over to mental health. Another statistic. I found a couple. Men commit suicide nearly four times more frequently than women. And in your book, you state that by age 65, it's been estimated that about a half of all men in the United States have experienced at least one depressive episode lasting two weeks or more. So it seems to me there's a critical issue underlying this and that symptoms of depression and other mental health issues, are are they more likely to go undetected and then untreated in men? And if that is the case, why do you think it's so? Men are just so resistant to fessing up to to weakness, to vulnerabilities, to shortcomings. Uh, It's all about, you know, their invulnerability. They are the supermen. They're the breadwinners, you know, and uh, they bought into this storyline. And so, as I said, they resist reaching out for help they deny they need help right off the bat, uh, and they 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 don't turn for assistance until frequently issues or problems have have advanced almost to to the point of crisis, and and sometimes that that is it it's too late to to actually uh, uh, reverse or or uh, treat that that problem effectively. So what can we do to help men, to help the men we love in our lives? The men we love in our lives need to be continually encouraged to express themselves. Uh, in, in, the, in, in, the, in the helping professions, we say ventilate. They need to share their concerns, their worries, uh, their dreams, uh, their fears, and they need to do it uh, not only when problems exist, but when when the good times are, are happening in their lives as well. They need to be willing to ask for help. You, you said that uh, men have a heightened uh, risk of suicide. Well, guess what? It's highest among white older men. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, those are men who who are just who are have held it all within. And they've they've resisted uh, turning for help. Uh, they they have fi- find difficulty expressing themselves, showing their soft, softer, more affective, uh, if you will, quote unquote, feminine side. Uh, but those can be killer habits. Those those habits that keep feelings within can really eat 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 at you and and. They can be. They can reduce the years you live on on Earth. You mentioned something in the book called emotional pulse. You talking about that? That you, you said that men generally don't have an emotional pulse. No, it's that. It, it's just uh, we call it various things. We call it patterned masculine behavior. We call it the masculine mystique. Uh, we call it 
male gender role conflict. Uh, my wife just calls it stupidity. <laughs> uh, this inability to express ourselves, to show our gentle, kinder side, uh, uh, because apparently we're so fearful of, of uh, being called weak and vulnerable. Uh, but uh, it, it, I believe it's, it's one of the major reasons why we, we live five years less than women on average on this earth. So men and women both experience stress. Men and women express what they're feeling differently or don't express it. Uh, but there are some definite signs that either the man or, or somebody who loves him can recognize. Yeah, you had a couple of lists of, of signs, like clenched jaws, high blood pressure, the overeating, um, exhaustion, headaches, mood swings, irritability, lack of confidence, depression, sadness, wanting to be alone. So there are lots more, and people can find them in your book. But if somebody, if the man himself or somebody who cares about him recognizes these signs, I'd like to give some real hard and fast um, tips on what do you do. You can't just say you've got to express yourself because chances are the man will shut down even more. Maybe you, like some of the women I've interviewed, you drag him off to the doctor. <laughs> just how far can you go to try to help somebody change how he lives in the world? I would suggest that for some men, they simply they need to have identified for them someone they can trust and feel comfortable in in speaking to. Uh, and and by the way, frequently that's. That's someone who's part of the, what we call their informal support network of families, family, friends, and neighbors. Uh, but it doesn't matter who, but men need to identify a confidant. It need not be their, their spouse or their partner. Uh, it, it, uh, it could be a friend. Uh, it could be a workmate. Uh, doesn't matter whatsoever who it is but they need someone who they feel confident and trusting of who they can begin to open up and share their feelings with. So you, you go ahead. No, you go, go ahead. I'm... Well, you've, you've brought me to what I hoped we could cover as the, the last part of our conversation. And that was the importance of social health or personal relationships. And you've explained what, you know, why they're important to mental health. Um, so men need friends. What does, Desperately. But what does friendship look like for men, in your opinion? It, it, it takes various forms. Uh, and for, for most men, including myself, take whatever you can get. <laughs> I have a precious few number of uh, individuals who I would call friends. And the vast majority of them revolve around my career and the workforce and the workplace. So men are very vulnerable in that way. And that's why, as I mentioned, when retirement rolls around, many men are at risk of not making a healthy transition. And they've lost much of their social support network because it existed 
uh, uh, to, to, is existed within the workforce, the workplace. Men are at extreme risk of becoming social isol isolationists in later life. Uh, and we recently have, have realized that social isolation can be lethal. It's a killer. And uh, uh, whatever we can do to reduce the risk and the consequences of social isolation, we need to enact. Uh, men in particular are at risk. Men who live in Maine are at greater risk. In a rural state like Maine, where you physically can be separated from people, in addition to being emotionally separated, uh, you, you have to deal with the added uh, consequences of likely becoming disengaged uh, in the world around you. And uh, fragile social relationships, I think, uh, represent uh, uh, perhaps one of the, the, the major challenges to healthy aging uh, for older men and women. So we are seeing more people staying in the workplace longer, aren't we? We are. We are. The early retirement trend has reversed itself. Uh, for multiple reasons, people are still recovering from the, the Great Recession of 2008, uh, but they're also there, I think, to, uh, to maintain identity and maintain structure in their lives uh, and maintain social relationships, and that's a good thing. Uh, and, and so extend, an extended work life, I think, has multiple benefits. Uh, above and beyond simply being compensated for the for the work you're doing. Do you think social media can help out, make people feel connected, or do you think it has the opposite effect? Well, it depends on what messages social media are putting out. I've recently heard that we are more socially isolated than we ever have been before. And there's some research that suggests uh, as many as four in 10 older adults are isolated today and, and the, the percentages are increasing over time. And I, I think they, like younger people, are at risk. Technology connects us, but it also, in many people's minds, reduces the, the significance, the meaningfulness, the, uh, uh, the, the satisfaction derived from social interaction. But as you were talking, I was also thinking that it provides an opportunity in some cases if somebody can't get out of the house and online they might find a forum, uh, a group of like people, you know, people who enjoy the same things they do, speak the same language, and they can be connected that way, perhaps. Definitely. And it, I think it's going to play a, a particularly important role for boomers. Boomers are comfortable with technology. Uh, Older adults are the fastest growing age group who are using uh, smartphones uh, and who are using Facebook. Uh, so that, yes, there's the potential for this to, to keep older adults connected, both men and women. And we're going to see an explosion in the proportion of, of boomers. Remember, those, those born between 1946, 1964, who are comfortable with the technology and going to take advantage of it in, in enabling them to stay connected to loved ones, to friends, uh, and, uh, and allow them to maintain relationships in, in situations where otherwise they couldn't have. All right. 
Well, this is all about men, I know, but I have to say I'm a boomer, and I am one who has embraced technology, and it's allowed me to be able to write a, a great blog, I think, and uh, to do the podcast and interview interesting people like you. So hope that's going to add another 40 years. <laughs> um, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you've got a book, A Man's Guide to Healthing Aging. We've like just barely scratched the surface, but we know we've got men. We're talking about men here, and I guess we can include women. Active, eat well. Watch out for signs of stress, um, signs of depression, other mental health problems. Make friends. May I just complete the list with a few other recommendations? Absolutely. Uh, and quickly, I'll say drink in moderation. Uh, I, I enjoy my red wine as much as anybody. Uh, you know, I never met a, a, a cab that I didn't like. But... Uh, <laughs> Two glasses a day and that's it for men, or one a day for women. Uh, get adequate sleep. Uh, most need seven hours or more. Very, very important. We've said it's important to stay connected to people in the world. Do that, use technology, uh, maintain friendships, volunteer in the community, but stay, stay engaged, stay connected. Uh, avoid stress, find time, ways in which to relax and, and uh, blow off steam, visit your doctor regularly, uh, take those tests that you avoid taking, your cholesterol test, uh, uh, your, your uh, colonoscopy. colonoscopy. <laughs> you betcha. You betcha. We need to do that. And reduce, reduce the risk taking. Uh, avoid climbing ladders and flip-flops. Uh, don't drive your car at, when taking uh, medication that's known to cause drowsiness. Play it safe. Play it, uh, avoid uh, 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 walking uh, or running in areas where there are uneven surfaces. The risk of falls is particularly great in older adults. One in three older adults suffers a, a significant fall every 12 months that requires uh, medical care and frequently hospitalization. Uh, all of these are recommendations that I would say uh, we all need to take seriously. And I know we've said stop smoking if you haven't already. Oh, yes, absolutely. So... The one takeaway message, if you were to summarize everything and have a man walk away from listening to this and feel motivated, what's your takeaway message? That there are certain things we can't control. We can't control genetics uh, uh, and uh, family uh, history when it comes to particular risk of, of disease but we can make individual choices that maximize the possibility that we will live a, a longer, healthier, and happier life. And for those behaviors that we can exhibit control over, take control and uh, do the right thing uh, and exercise your right to, to live a healthy, enjoyable, high quality life. And it's never too early or too late to begin. You are exactly right. <laughs> One more thing, where can people find your book if they'd like to buy it? 
Uh, the book can be found online at, at Amazon.com. I don't want to reduce the possibility, uh, turn people away from buying this volume, but we're beginning to work on a second edition. It won't be out for about a year. But uh, buy this book, uh, read up on it, uh, and in about a year, we'll make sure to share with you all the newest discoveries uh, that are coming out through research on how to live a healthy, active, and smart later life. Okay, well, we'll catch up again when the book comes out. Sounds good. I'd love to do that. Okay, well, thank you, Dr. K. You told me to call you Len. So thank you, Len, for spending time with us. I've been talking to Dr. Leonard K. He's a professor of social work and director of the University of Maine Center on Aging. He's also the co-author of the book, A Man's Guide to Healthy Aging. I'm Diane Atwood, and you've been listening to the Catching Health Podcast. Thank you. For more health reporting that makes a difference, be sure to visit my blog at catchinghealth.com.